ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. On another recording, oh. because there's so much, there's so many other good stories that you get from dad. I can't yeah. always get. Oh, sure does. If you're in low gears, it'll just spin the tire too. Yeah. First time I rode a VMAX, I thought the clutch was slipping. And it was the tire. The tire was spinning. Isn't that the one that Kenny Roberts is in the magazine sideways with his feet on the pegs? No, that was uh see there was a time in the AMA um, No, this was just an ad. Oh well that could have been, yeah. Well it probably wasn't because I think the first V Max was eighty five and his career was over. Yeah, they were using the career, but they, yeah, that guy could still ride. Oh, yeah. It could have been him. You know? Yeah. Well some of the fastest V Maxes was the early ones yeah. before they uh like everything, they detune it a little bit. Well, its claim to fame was the fastest production street bike you could buy. Yeah. Prior to that was the Honda that I also had. I had a Honda V65. That thing was a rocket, too. I had a V65 Sabre. I've been riding a Goldwing, and uh, it was too damn slow, and I got that VMAX, and it's too damn fast. (laughs) (laughs) Because you want to... You want to ride it hard, but uh, you know, I, at that age, I bought it. I, I don't didn't think fast enough to uh, to push it, you know. But it was sure fun. Uh, uh, my brother pretending. bought a, my brother bought a VMAX to outrun my V sixty five, but I think the VMAX was a twelve hundred as well. And VMAX, I didn't follow V sixty five was only eleven. Nothing made that much difference. The VMAX was a little faster, but I can tell you, man, they did not like to go around corners too good. The things had this like wobbly thing, and we went on some couple pretty spirited rides. And I thought he was going to throw it away on that VMAX. Oh, it just had flat chassis flex or something. You know, you're doing 85, 90, like going up 67 through their Pessim junkyard, and things started wobbling. Mm. Where the Honda was a little better handling. I, I don't know what I got to ride, but it was an 1100. And it, I was in Europe, and it was right after one of the Pendezvous races. Uh, my friend Raphael Sonic took me to the Alps. Wow! And yeah, yeah, you could. I'm not a road bike guy. I think that's like the the most road biking I did forever. Um, one of the reasons was when I was younger, I had an XR 600 with a street kid on it, and I'm on my way to my daughter's softball game on the rear tire, and I'm passing cars on the freeway, and I'm thinking. You know, maybe I shouldn't be on this. So I I stepped off of the street bike stuff. But when I was over there in Europe, I was on that 1100 Honda. And he was on the um, Yamaha at the time, the R1 or the R6. Scratch Rockets. Yeah. And he was just all over it. And I'm on a, a sport touring bike. You know, big heavy chassis type thing, and I'm like, I'm, like, yeah, I'm not a good rider. What the heck? I want to ride the cool bike, and I'm thinking maybe, maybe I shouldn't be riding the cool bike. But it was a lot of fun. I, I mean, being in the and the Swiss Alps and the Austrian Alps, you know, that, that was incredible. If you ever, if you ever I ride, like ride over there, my wife rides with me. She's on got, on got, or got her own bike? She got her own. 
Oh, nice. Well, we have gone double. I've got a victory too, old big victory, right. cross country. We used to ride double, and I still have it too. But uh, you know, it's nothing like riding your own. And so, yeah, she uh, she's got her own triumph. Did it, did it take you a long time to get her accustomed to going no. and riding it? Or just... No, no, I never tried to influence her at all. Because, as we all know, I mean, there's there's some clear inherent risk when you ride a street bike. Let's face it. You're right. So um, the rest of the world's out to get you. I, you know, we went dirt biking. She's good. She understands how the motorcycle works and how to ride it. But as we all know, you can't control anybody else. But yeah, she's already got uh, she's got her permit now. She's got the bike. We, we actually rode out to Campo this morning. Did she dirt bike with you? Yeah. Okay, so she so she had motorcycle knowledge yeah. going into it. Yeah, she knows how to ride. But, but then, like I said, she actually started a number of years ago. Um, went through all the safety courses and stuff because I just told you, you just need to take it all. And education is key. Then her father passed away, and uh, so she just kind of put it on the back burner for a while, which was okay by me. I never, but just about, I don't know, four, my five months ago with the COVID thing, She's a teacher, and she has to drive all the way down the barrio to go to school to teach down there. But now she was staying home, teaching, like kind of like doing this deal here. And just said, you know, she got the age I could just ride a motorcycle around town. You know, I don't need to drive everywhere. Right. So that with the camel. Less traffic. Exactly. Cheaper, easier, you know, nice weather most of the time. Right. Even in the wintertime, you can ride a motorcycle. Don't, even to drive, don't need to drive, just ride a bike. Now she got transferred. She's going to actually been teaching up there Gage Elementary. It's near Cal's Mountain, right. five miles away. Yeah, why? So, why drive? Exactly. So we went down and got a his and hers triumphs. And nice. We've been riding. They said we rode all the way out to Campo today from the down ninety four. Had a lot of had a good time. Oh yeah. Do you, do you have a specific destination? You just. Ride to a point and then turn around. Or no, we, station. We, there's a there's a gas station, little sandwich, uh, subway sandwich place out there at uh, at Campo. We stopped. And she didn't have a full tank when she left, so I gave her some gas, and then uh, we went down Buckman Springs Road and hit Old Eighty through Pine Valley, and we just canceled and then back through that. Uh, what is it? Uh, that back road called? South of Descanso. <laughs> I know how to get a lot of places, but yeah. I couldn't tell you what the name is. Anyway, it come, comes are. down past Viejas Casino back there by right. Jackson Canyon. That's where we came back. So that's it was a great awesome. ride. It was mostly just two lane road, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's about great. 100 you, miles, I'd say. We did about 100 miles. Yeah, you, you know, it took three or four hours. Yeah, just took our time. We're not, same thing. We're just, you know, trying to be safe and watch out for the dummies. They're still out there. Right. I mean, I used to kind of ride like that, too, in my younger days. I had some, you know, crotch rockets and fast bikes. And I, I just... 35 years ago, there wasn't as many cars on the road either, you know? Yeah, but yeah. I, I just, you know, when you, you have to know your own limitations. Sure. And I'm riding it in shorts and a T-shirt and a helmet mm. on my way to my daughter's softball game. I just thought, as I'm... You know, as you're changing lanes on with the on the rear wheel, you doing a wheelie or something. I'm doing a wheelie, and I pass this car, and I'm thinking as I set the front end down, and it you know gets that little shake to it. I'm thinking, 
yeah, I'm going to put this in the garage and I don't think I'm going to spend too much time on it because it was crazy writers, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I needed to know my limitation and stay off of it because that's why I never offered you the VMAX. Wow. Crazy, man. Yeah. Really? What was that on the freeway or something? It was on 67. You know, you know where that, uh, high patrol officer passed away not uh, a few years back where the little, where they had the unevenness on the bridge where you go over river for What's this? Talk about doing movies. See if I can get it to play. That guy is a culture is one. Oh. Oh. Don't do that. How do I start though? There we go. Dragon Defender showing up. Mm-hmm. The car didn't even see him. Didn't even slow down. Right? The guy was probably watching his phone. Watching a video on his phone, right? That's not huh? Oh, man. That's in the fast lane on the freeway. You, you see videos of that shit going on, a bunch of them doing wheelies. Yeah. And, you know, you just think you, you're just asking for it. There's so many of them. Maybe I get on YouTube and it's just video after video of what they, what they call fails or something. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, I like watching, I don't, I can't hardly admit this, but I like watching some of the quad fails of the guys <laughs> on the street. <laughs> They're riding wheelies next to each other and the one guy's yelling at him and he just, and you tell when you point, it freaking touches wheels and they both go freaking, yeah. you know, ass over decal. Oh man, I, I feel this bad. guy evidently wasn't wasn't hurt that bad. He got lucky. Did you see the one in Russia where the guy has the GoPro on his 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 the car, and the guy on the street bike something happens, and the car hits the guy on the bike, and the guy ends up on standing on top of the car, <laughs> and they're going down the freeway. Why is he? Yeah, it's the craziest thing. I don't remember the whole scenario how it happened, but they hit that bike and the guy ended up on his feet on the roof of the car. You know, it just, ouch. And there's a guy over in Europe somewhere that hates litter bugs. So people will drop their trash out of their car and he'll ride over, pick it up, and ride over to him, throw it in, you know, roll down their window, hey, you know. And as they roll down the window, he throws the trash back in. I did that once. It's probably been three times in my life where I'm on a street bike and going down the road. People flick their cigarette butts out. And one, one time I had just fueled up and for whatever reason, man, this guy's cigarette butt landed right in my lap. <laughs> you know, I was, I was pretty upset about it. And that was years ago, but it was just a couple of years back. I was split lanes in Mira Mesa and it was coming up real slow. And the guy that was in the front at the, the limit line same thing, had his window down and he dropped his lit cigarette right on the sidewalk or right on the street. So he didn't realize he was just talking to his buddy and I crept, you know, up on my bike and I picked up a cigarette. <laughs> and I said, hey, you dropped something. And he was wearing shorts and I flicked it in there so it was right in his car. <laughs> so he's like, oh, oh. He rolls up his window and he's flipping me off and everything, you know. I was like, hey, man, quit being well, a litter bug. Yeah, man. don't throw that shit in. That's a $1,000 fine if you get caught. Yeah. I don't know if anybody that ever got one. But cigarettes are, they are filthy, man. And people got ashtrays. You know, they, 
They want to smoke. That's okay. But hey, just use your ashtray. Why throw it on? I mean, and you go to any intersection in the U.S. and you look over, man, it's a hundred cigarette butts. Yep. And then when it rains, they all go down in, lots. down in the beach and they end up yeah, in the water. Yeah. Like piles of this shit in the parking lots. You know? I see people even take their ashtray and dump them out. Yeah. We had a party here one night and somebody did that. They parked down below. Next day, here's <coughs> pile of cereal butts. Yeah, they took the ashtray and dumped it. And just because I live in the country, you don't have to be such a slob. No, you know? no respect. Yeah, I don't. So, how many triumphs you got? A dozen? You want to take you uh, on a little tour? Uh, it's a messy out there. I got, I've got um, probably about nine wow. of them. Nice. In various states. Got some T100s and 120s. What do you got? Uh, I got a, a TR6 that's complete. And then I've got uh, a, a T120 that uh, I'm building for Lauren. It's an ongoing project. Then I got a couple of uh, 51 Triumphs that uh, <clears throat> I've got the alloy 500 engines. Singles? Or no, they're twins. twins. Okay. And uh, uh, they're in various stages of restoration. So we still have that one that we were building to build a flight tracker. Yeah, I got that. What was a Boyd and Snelling frame? No, that's I've got that frame, but it's we were going to put a five hundred in there, and then you, and well, we were racing dirt track at uh, Competition Park in uh, ninety nine two was two thousand maybe ninety nine two thousand and and uh, uh, two thousand and one, and then the Raptor six sixty came out. And I got to do some developmental work on it for Lauren and Yamaha. And then in 2002 and 2003, I got a Yamaha deal through to make Yellow Motorsports to race uh, Best in the Desert. So uh, I wasn't ever a factory Yamaha guy, but I was a satellite support thing. Uh, and then that turned into a 2004 support deal through King Green. Hmm. Um, and then I got the Honda ride from Lauren in 2005 uh, on a TRX450R, and then I retired from points racing. And I did some development work on the Polaris, but that, that's why we stopped running flat track is because I started to do all that the quad stuff because that's what we did for a living. Did you ever have to work with uh, Dan Lamy? Because I think he was connected with Yamaha in some fashion too. I never did. He owns Dasa Racing. Yeah. And uh, I never have met Dan. Hmm. I've never had any dealings with him. Uh, I know that there are people that I'm affiliated closely with that don't care for him much. You know. Sam had little dealings with him too because he, like I said, for whatever reason, he did have something that Yamaha specifically sent to Dan for a short time. It was something to do with the early five valve heads or something like right. that. He was porting them or flowing them or something. Uh, I, I'm not exactly positive. He's got a pretty good setup. I mean, yeah. when they do his heads, he does them on a machine right. and, and he produces them pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, so you can't knock him for that. And uh, He's probably got a sturdy machine or something. Uh, from well, there, what, what there's, I, a, you know, uh, there's a machine that you can program 
and it will cut the port and the seats and all the way down into the throat. Yeah, I think it's a surty called the surty machine. No, like we have surty. Oh, okay. And uh, this our surty only cuts the seats. The seats, yeah. but this is. Uh, you know, our surty costs twenty five grand, right. and, and well, this one is a hundred and something. And it does four heads or, or or more at a time. Right. Production so, thing. Yeah, it's boom, 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 boom. There was a guy up in Ramona that my brother knew that had one that you're talking about. He was doing the inline four cylinders. Can't remember his name right now. It was he had a surty machine too, but he had the other one, like you said, it would. Blend oh, the port, do, do the seats, job. everything at the same time. It's all pro. It's all yeah. computerized. And got some kind of camera thing on it too. That, you know, we're still super old school. I mean, not that I want to give out our tech tips, but Lauren still does all of our heads and all of our cylinder porting in house. By he's the one that does it. He'll do a little bit of rough work for some of the components that Lauren works on, but uh, Lawrence goes in and, and does all the porting himself. Didn't Lauren marry that girl that's got the trucking company or something? Uh, her dad passed away, and Bill Sign's trucking is still over. Uh, that the trucking company's been sold, and another gentleman owns it now. But yeah, that's that's what it is. We sold it, huh? Uh, after he passed away, uh, not really my place to talk about it much. But there was some other issues going on. Oh, well, I mean, it's different. Uh, the guy that ran it for Bill ended up owning it. Okay. Well, I, just, I wasn't sure if that was true. If your brother did, yeah, so he did. He built. He yep. married Bill Sign's daughter, right? Yep. yep. I went to school with her. She was a grade below me, and so we, I went to school with her for years. When did Lauren graduate? You guys went to El Cap too, right? Yeah. He graduated in eighty one, eighty two. I graduated in seventy nine. And I and well, I graduated eighty three, eighty four. No cap. I just went to my fortieth reunion. I just went to my thirty fifth. <laughs> yeah, El Cap was good. You went to El Cap as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. You, know, is, Mike, uh, you know something, Mike? Do you know Mike um, Hallett? Mike Hallett. 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 Yeah, okay. He was a three-wheeler racer, mostly desert. He, he teamed with Tracy Dixon a little bit. Okay. Honda. And uh, we went to El Cap the same year, and I never knew. I knew him after, raced with him a number of times. Nice guy. But until I looked at the yearbook, because we didn't have any money, my mom couldn't afford a yearbook. But someone had one at the 40th reunion, and there he was, man. We went to school together and never knew each other in school. That's crazy. Was I was teaching shop when you were in high school. The guy that was that ran the small engine thing when I was there was, was a old, not old, but he was uh, well, old from, he was a Marine. Did you Over know? Bay. Yeah. Yeah, Floyd. I uh, taught the night, okay. night classes. Okay, yeah. What was his first name? Uh, Lloyd. Lloyd Overbay. Lloyd Overbay. He was right. my teacher there. Yeah. But he was a he was a school taught yeah mechanic, and him and I would talk about things, and I says, on paper that's the way you talk about it, but in real life you can't do that. You yeah. know, you've got to. Uh, you know, he, he was actually worked for Honda back in the 60s, I think, or 70s, early 70s. Lloyd did. Really? Yeah. In Japan, something like that. Yeah. No, I... Uh, when he got out of the Marines, he was a drill instructor, and this is a big guy. Yeah. Big dude. Yeah. He used to have this uh, boat, aluminum boat, oar, right? 
Okay. Yeah, like lightning holes drilled through the, the paddle part for discipline. Oh, wow. Nice. There was a... He, he was always, to me, a mild-mannered. Uh, I, well, I don't was. know what he was like in the classroom. He was mild-mannered until you, you know, weren't listening pissed or pissed him off. Him off. He could be real loud Did and scary. Yeah, of course. He was my auto shop teacher. Yeah, dude, I, everybody. I had him play too. You know that hill right outside the shop? Mm-hmm. There was basically the, what was the road right there? Yeah, I, I don't know. There was a big that. bank. There's a right. fence there now. I used to ride my motorcycle up there, that hill. <laughs> uh, have him, you know, someone spot me upside, make sure I didn't get run over when I went over the top, right. you know. I used to trip people out. Had a Honda 350. SL 350. Oh, I love the, the, we had the SL 70s and everything. Those were awesome. But, bikes. you know, you're familiar with those oh, old yeah. Hondas. The SL 350 had smaller ports and smaller valves and smaller carbs. They had regular uh, slide valve carbs and Sam was into them big. And so I had this SL 350, but it had a CL head and CL carbs. And that thing ran pretty good. That's awesome. We, same thing. It's just started from an early age, man, doing that kind of stuff. Well, we I, I, we uh, didn't do a whole lot on the three fifties. Uh, my thing was the the little bikes. I yeah. loved putting big pistons and yeah, big carburetors and did. stuff on them. Well, Sam started with the earlier than the three fifties because we were originally when we were younger. We were in Spring Valley. He had those one uh, sixties and three hundred five Hondas. That was before the three fifties came out. Yeah, I done. Uh, I worked in a dealership. Really? I worked in a dealership uh, on Hondas, and and we, uh, I done a lot of hop up work on the three hundred fives. Yeah. We, I don't know if you know, uh, uh, I can't think it. Uh, we called him tennis shoe. Ralph White's little brother. Uh, Ralph was a. Big time racer. Anyway, uh, we started with a, uh, a 250. He wanted to go road racing, so we built a 250. And uh, he used to tell me, oh, it handles great, but it's not fast enough. So I made it a 305. It's not fast enough. So I made it a 350. He says, there's something wrong with the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he says it's fast enough, but you got to do something to the brakes. And yeah. he says it wiggles. Yeah, because if I'd have known then what I know later on, the frame sits there, and the and the swing arm sits here, and it it didn't have anything to stabilize it. Yeah. And anyway, I built a. a Shit, I don't remember now what size. Anyway, I put big pistons in it, and they were cast. And uh, I built two engines because I had a guy that was drag racing was telling me the same thing: fast but not fast enough. And it's never fast enough. And we put the I put those together, and uh, uh, probably within a week of each other, and uh, tennis shoe says it's ungodly fast, you know, because it's a big old squared thing. (laughs) And he comes in one day with a box of pieces. The pistons had just come apart. 
and uh, tend to destroy anything. And then uh, about a week later, the dragster guy come in, same thing, you know. And uh, being too dumb to know that uh, you can't spin that big piston that fast. Sure, sure work good for a while, but it's like anything, yeah. You know, the, the learning curve of, of how we've gotten where we are, because you, oh, yeah. you look at the modern day four stroke, short stroke, big piston, and the pistons are this tall. Yeah, but they're grenades, man. They're not no, they're not. I'm just saying, just as far as design wise, they they know on those new motors that if they build them, the rods are way too short to for any type of longevity. You'd be amazed at the life that these people get out of them. Well, I mean, the recreational guy gets tons of life. And on the racer, that Yamaha, but that I'm Yamaha saying from, motor is super dirty. From a design standpoint, though, it's like your dad saying, the, the stress and stuff on the parts is really super high because they try to compact it to fit it in the frame for the length of the stroke and everything. It should be longer. There's a real good ratio that, you know, most manufacturers want to stay with. You know, uh, or it's like a little short stroke. You know, over square. Over square, yeah. But I'm saying this, whatever your stroke is, even if it's short, there's a formulation on what your rod length should be in all the modern, the 250s, because they, they rev them up so damn high. I mean, what's the 250s? or 13, 14,000. Yeah, something crazy. ridiculous. Well, well Ranchy rev's at 10 grand, and we're running our 450s at 11, too. Well, yeah, 11, but the same thing. Two strokes are pumps. After yeah. a while, they just start cavitating. Can't, right. can't pump anymore. But on the four fifties, when, when I started to hopping stuff up, there was nothing on motorcycles. Right. So you tip the car theory, you know. And mm -hmm. I figured I just whittle it down. And I used to like to uh, pay attention to the Grand Prix stuff. And I thought, well, if I can make twenty horsepower at eight grand, maybe I can make. 15 or 25 horsepower if I spin it faster, you know. Yeah, well, you can. Yeah, so it goes up, to a, up to a point. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to back down. Yeah, when, you're, when you're going down the straightaway and it goes, <laughs> that's a bad sign. You know. Yeah, I mean, what I was getting to, leading to is on those, the modern competition bikes to, to fit them in the frames, but... You looked at the rod length on your old XR650. Yeah, this thing was freaking huge. Versus the rod length on the you know CRF450 or any of those competition bikes, the rod length is real short. So it's got real steep angles when it's going up and down, and that the thrust loads and stuff it puts on is really high. That's why they say 40 hours or something max. Well, the boat anchors that they built before mm -hmm. never would turn the R's. Well, no. Um, and the R's they're pulling with what they have and, and then again I'm not an engineer I'm not schooled on any well, of it it's all short strokes like your dad said over, short really stroke over big giant pistons you well, know to really to really and there's there's power to be had too with the rod length but you can't package it that way just like you know a two stroke pipe you could keep it straight makes more power great, but you know to fit in a three wheeler on a bike you gotta yeah. bend it all around yeah, if you could build an engine and fit it in a frame where everything worked like it's supposed to. Right. I mean, when you got a carburetor here and it's got to have a snake around, right. a, a, around the shock absorber, yeah. Yeah, something. It's uh, yeah. It just robs all like, the power. 
Yeah, there's all kinds of theoretical. Even on the little four strokes, I think the, the best place, the carburetor is like a foot back from the head or from the valve. Right. But we're not there. What kind of motorcycle when, are you going to have the carburetor that far back? It's going to be right up against the head. Yep. You know? The dealership that I worked at, a guy named, um, well, I can't think of his name. Anyway, that had worked at Valley before, um, uh, we found a set of carburetor setups to where it was probably almost four feet long <laughs> that he had put the carburetor back here and you know and I figured it was an experiment because I never seen anything that run but <clears throat> but moving the carburetor you know move it closer to the head you get low end you move it farther back you get more top end yeah you can tune it there's a tuned length but, there's optimal lengths for everything right but uh Figuring that out it takes time, and uh, I mean, look at how long the inlet track is on a Volkswagen. Right yeah. where the carburetor is, yeah, yeah, long way to go. But when they put a hop them up, you got your Weber sitting right on the head, you know. Right. No, but all that I liked it back when they were just simple, and anything you done was. Uh, an improvement. Clearly. You now you screw around and you can sure. detune it in a big hurry. Yeah, no question. The, the kind of power that these, you know, you go down to the dealership and you can buy a Mustang that has 700 horsepower, you know. Yeah, streetcar. Yeah, yeah streetcar. Or one of those, what, Challenger, Red Eye something or whatever they call them. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you can buy a Roush Mustang. That's got suspension and all the bells and whistles on it. And it's just an unbelievably awesome car. But for even less than that, you can go and get yourself on them Teslas and run away from it. Well, that is if you want to buy an electric motor. Well, that's what kind of seems like things are going towards, isn't it? Well, I can't say much. I bought a hybrid for my wife for work just because, you know, she didn't want to uh, pay the gas for her other car. So we went out did a little bit of shopping, bought a hybrid, and the money that we're saving in gas is well worth it. Yeah. I mean, and I'm anti-hybrid. I hate those things, but... Well, so I'm saying that the development, the stuff that Tesla's getting out of those things, in fact, he's building a... His current one is going to be the fastest, like you talked about, the production car ever made, ever. It's going to do zero to 60 in like under two seconds or something. Wow. Zero to 104 seconds. Yeah, crazy. You get to it. Why? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, God, there's, there's stuff now, you, you know. You, With all the video cameras and all the stuff, you can't do it because you get a, you get a, you get a, a mobile, I mean, a, a video ticket in the mail, you know, and yeah. they show your face, you're done. Well, I'm just saying that's, that's coming. Oh, my He's he figured out how to land those uh, booster rockets. Yeah. That was pretty impressive. You know, because he used to just toss them off and let them parachute and land in the ocean. You, have you watched that stuff? No. And basically he is a rocket scientist. So now the booster rockets that eject, he lands them. Unmanned, just lands them on these decks. And he crashed a few of them, but they finally figured it out. How to, how to land them, save a bunch of money and don't have to salvage them from the bottom of the ocean floor. You know, the divers. Yeah, it's just you can 
eliminate these. So they detach from the rocket, but then they land it. Yep. You know? With a with probably some type of they save a little fuel, and if they have a correction factors, they has got to hire a bunch of geniuses. They finally were able to figure yeah. it out. And he's and he's no dummy. No, you know, I'm a little eccentric. You have a conversation with that guy, you walk. You're either going to walk away dumber or smarter. You know, scratching your head, going, "What is he talking about?" Buddy of mine has a Tesla. He took me for a ride in. When Terry and I went to uh, Poland last summer, yeah. the one of the drivers that worked for Raphael had a Tesla, and uh, it was his own car. Mm-hmm. And and what he was is he was a hired driver, so he worked for Raphael, worked for him, and his other job was driving people, and that was one of the cars that he hired out. And um, he drove us all around one day, and. It was damn impressive. No noise, and you're freaking pushed back in your yeah. seat, and you're like, "Whoa!" You're th- you're you're getting the sensation that it's a big, big monster V8, you know, and it's not. It's just that little electric motor. It's got what, one on each wheel. Well, it freaking handled like a dream. Well, that's the thing. All the, those seven hundred plus horsepower cars trying to put all the power down out of two wheels in the back. Just spin. Well, your straight ahead drive with the electric motor, the way that the way it accelerates gets better traction. Doesn't have to get in a power band or nothing. No. It's exactly. just it's all there right away. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's electric motors, man. Well, it's it's one thing that I mean, if you if you because you still watch uh racing quite a bit, I'm I'm sure. If you look at the evolution of the rider, okay, back in, in the 80s and the 90s, the guys were retiring when they were 23, 24, 25, maybe 26. They got to 27. They were pushing it. I retired because, at 28. Yeah. I mean, you were pushing your envelope for how old you could be, especially in the motorcycle world. Could have probably still did it, but for me anyway, save this for the next one. It was just with the kid coming and the whole factory efforts dropping out my desire went away you know good plus he's talking with you yeah but if you look at now Weenan late 30s Mm -hmm. Bo Barron late 30s Walker Fowler that's who I was trying to talk about I said Flowers in the other deal but it's Walker Fowler Mm -hmm. okay he is uh, I believe in his late 20s early 30s Mm -hmm. you know I'm saying you could still be competitive if you have the desire right but yeah I didn't anymore like I said I knew I didn't want to risk, you know, having some type of wreck that might, you know. <laughs> Just, I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. And uh, my pleasure. We'll get you back out um, in the future and uh, I'll get you a, a contact where you can find this episode. Cause, All right. Because we're out on Spotify and Google and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. So you can find us in all of those. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.BodyEvolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858 858- Five seven one zero one six zero. Brought to you by Take Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. 
Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.